This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hi, I'm Paul Parisi with the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business, and I'm here today with Benjamin Nutter, who in our area is well-renowned. So first of all, it's a great name. Thank you. It's a great name. It's an old New England name, Nutter. Yes. Is that true? That's so, right. How, how far do you guys go back? Actually to about 1635. Wow. And the unique name that first settled in the Dover, New Hampshire area, this is true. His first name was Hate Evil. Hate Evil Hate Nutter. Evil Nutter. Wow. Yes. It was, was it a hyphenated name? Or? No. So was that his middle name, Evil? No. H-A-T-E-V-I-L was his first name. Wow. That's so yes. cool. That's only New England. <laughs> oh, right, right. No pressure there. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did he do? Most likely farming and okay. timber, fishing, what most people would have done okay. when they arrived. So, well, that's really cool. So now, you work primarily on the North Shore of Boston? Yes, and most so of our clients. Hampshire? That's right. right. Now, you're an architect. Yes. I imagine in the world of architecture, that's a pretty broad statement. That is very true, especially in the 21st century. Okay. And so what do you specialize? Or if if you were talking to another architect, what would you say you focus on? We focus on small commercial and residential. Okay. And within those two categories, we do nearly everything you could imagine. Okay. So it's been in the small commercial arena. It's been from something as simple as an administration building for the Topsfield Fairgrounds, a funeral home, we did just several years ago in Middleton, right. and we just finished doing a sheep farm and cheesery in Boxford. Oh, cool. Okay. And then in the residential world, it could be a building as old as the late 1600s, net zero energy or mid-century modern inspired home built today. So okay. very, very diverse variety of right. architecture. So let's talk about sort of the whole approach to building and so, so there's a point at which a person says, I want to build something, a business, a house, or whatever, and they make a decision, I need to go to an architect. But a lot of people don't. So what's that What's that tipping point in, oh, in, that's... In that you find in your, your experience? Because I know you, you probably have more design-sensitive clients than less design-sensitive. That is so true. Okay. In fact... That was the eventually the very obvious answer to that question, okay. even for myself, was that if design did not matter to our clients, they would not be our clients. Okay. So it, it, that is so true, Paul. You, you nailed the, the essential answer is okay. that that's what drives most of our clients to work with an architect. So what's, what is design? I mean, because is it the colors? It's not the furniture? You know, we see all these TV shows. And you see these, you know, places that are being rehabbed and they they say, well, we're going to take this wall out and this and then we're going to do this and we're going to paint this. And it really doesn't come together until they stage it with the furniture. And that's part of what makes design such a subjective subject, if you will, because what might appeal to you as a design might not appeal to, say, Mike. You might prefer a contemporary design. Mike might buy an old home and restore it and renovate it, add on to it. How do you navigate that with clients? Well, I suppose the, you know, most people arrive with some notion of what 
kind of design appeals to them. Okay. So that begins to narrow that down. And actually thinking about one of the things that I feel that we've been especially good at over the decades is what I refer to as clarity of style. And what I mean by that is really clarity of architectural style. So if we're working with, for an example would be right now we're doing a house with a couple out on Great Neck and Ipswich. Oh, cool. And it is a, it's a design inspired by mid-century modern, which okay. in their particular case would be a house informed by the sort of homes that were being built from 1930 to 1950. Okay, so I'm not expert on those terms. Mm. I imagine most of our listeners are. What is mid-century modern? Oh, you said 30 to 50. Right. What is the look? The look is really what some people would think of as contemporary. Okay. So it would be most likely flat roofs, a very horizontal look, okay. large areas of glass, and really structures and shapes that are much more streamlined than, let's say, a 1790 Georgian New okay. England farmhouse that is the classic center entrance, center chimney colonial that is reproduced endlessly in subdivisions, for example. Right. Okay, good. So, that's good. That's a good okay. handle for me to okay. get, you know, Great. understand. Okay, so you're, you're working on this, and do you have sweet spots of design for, for your company? Favorites of your personal? I know probably you have personal favorites, and how does, well, let's answer that first. So do you sure. have sweet spots of, as a company? That also is a, it's a great question, and it's, it's not an easy question to answer, right. because I actually... I find a great interest in almost all of the architectural styles that are part of really the American history of architecture. So that could be something like the first homes built in the United States along the East Coast are referred to as first period because Mm -hmm. it was the first period of construction. Those would be dramatically different than that mid-century modern that I was referring to. I suppose what I find especially exciting and inspiring is to work well as an architect, as a designer, within each one of those styles. Okay. Yeah, and have you done that? Yes, well, yeah. we think so. Yeah, and no, well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's, I imagine there's architects out there that probably don't only do first period. That's a, that's, you're absolutely that's, right. Why are you coming to me to do this mid-century modern? I don't do that. Go speak to these people. But yes. the story is a little different with you. You're coming in and saying, tell me what your design inspirations are, and we can take a sample from them or be pure to one inspiration. Absolutely. Another way I sometimes describe that is the analogy of we think of ourselves as the chameleon that can change color uh-huh. depending on the design influence for each client's project. Right. Interesting. And wow. it wouldn't be, I suppose, if we worked with only clients who desired mid-century modern I don't know that we'd be dreadfully disappointed that we never did a sure. historic restoration. Right. But there's a certain added excitement about being having the opportunity to work on designs all across the spectrum. Right. Now, I know you've won a lot of awards. Congratulations on that, um, just throughout New England for the work you've done. So it sounds like you have some satisfied customers. And in that, you haven't, like, tried and failed. You've actually tried and succeeded across this broad swath of really architectural styles. So that's exciting to see. How do you see, is the architecture world, are most of them like your company that says, well, we can can pretty much handle everything, or are they more specialized? There are some that are very specialized. Uh, Certain firms around the metropolitan Boston area I think of as really 
as you say, specializing in a more contemporary architecture. Other firms where I first worked in Boston was one of the really original older names, Royal Barry Wills, was an architect who, who really promoted the colonial revival style, although ironically in the 50s there, uh, there was another architect, Hugh Stubbins, who worked there who did very contemporary work at the time, but not well known by most people that Hugh sort of got his wings at the Royal Barry Wills office. Royal Barry Wills Associates it continues today to do mostly traditional work, so colonial, maybe some shingle-style work, and their reputation is so excellent in that area that it's most likely that a client calling them would be seeking to do a traditional design doesn't necessarily mean they would rule out doing a contemporary design, but that's what they're especially well-known for. And like Mary Ann Thompson is an architect in the metropolitan Boston area that really specializes in contemporary design. And and yet there are other firms like Hutker Architects, which is on the Cape and, and the Vineyard. They're, I can't speak for them, but I would say that they're more as we are where they get a great interest in working with styles across the spectrum. Always worried about keeping current with IT? Savior Labs is an IT and web services firm that cares for your business and team. Savior Labs solves problems so you can focus on what you do best. Prepare for 2018 with a free IT assessment. Just follow the link in our show notes and enter code SAVIOR, S-A-V-I-O-R. So now... We talked a little bit about the sort of inflection point and, you know, where where I'm saying, okay, I want to build something. What's that inflection point for me to choose an architect or just build it, show up with wood one day and build it, or however that happens. If I'm trying to make that decision, or I know somebody that's trying to make that decision, they say, gee, I want to build a house. Should I just go buy a, a set of plans or should I talk to an architect? Those are two vastly different options. Can you speak to why or what sort of the decision points are and the things I can, you know, sort of hooks that I can hang on to say, okay, if I want this, I need to go to an architect. Or And, and it doesn't have to do with expectations and all that kind of thing. Sort of dig into that a little bit. Yes. Well, there, there must be so many things that go through people's heads when they're thinking about, especially for residential. Mm-hmm. Commercial, I would say, is a little bit more just, frankly, business-like. Mm-hmm. So for the example of the client and for whom we did the funeral home, uh-huh. uh, it was a person who already was in that business. They had other locations where they were operating. They kind of knew what their needs were and their functions. And it, the whole process is is. I suppose I would just say it's more business-like okay. because they, they already kind of know their model. What they needed was a new building on a new site. So why wouldn't they say, is it even plausible to say to a general contractor, I have a building in this town, I want you to replicate it over there? You could, but in the 21st century, you also really would need a set of construction drawings okay. so that you could then acquire building permits, ah, okay. go through the process as required in a local community. Okay. Sometimes that would require planning board and zoning board, conservation commission. Do you help with that? We do, okay. yes. We don't do site engineering, but we do assist with and collaborate, and we bring in appropriate people to, to do that kind of specific work. So I'd be hiring you, and you would bring in the site engineer? 
that's we can we don't always but we can do that because it's very much a collaborative process so that's a process where it's really not only satisfying the design to make sure that the building suits their needs how many people do they want to accommodate when there's a wake or a service but then also just really putting the information together so there's a clear set of drawings that describe the building itself and that allows a general contractor or if they're doing bids a number of general contractors to actually price the project so it's really a combination of design municipal process how they want to go about getting pricing for the construction Mm -hmm. and then completing the construction and following a set of of good quality detailed drawings okay that so that seems reasonable but it seems like and i don't know because i've only built one building in my life i had it built you designed it, actually. Yes. But I guess the point I'm trying to understand is there's a decision point. Yes. And I don't know what I don't know. And so I get a contractor, general contractor, who comes, oh, yeah, I can build you a barn, or I can build you a two-car garage. That's a fundamentally different decision to go with that than it is to go with an architect who is, I imagine some architects could just say, yeah, we have a standard two-car garage. How do you want to modify it if you do it at all? And we have a, you know, sort of we have a, a shrink-wrapped garage. Those, those are good things. So those are fine. But what is the, the personal design ethic? What is the, do you find any thread that runs through the people that are coming in and saying, no, I want something special? Well, we do. And, and not to repeat the earlier comment necessarily, but the whole point about design matters. So whether it is a small project or existing home or right. new house, I truly think what drives that person to the design profession as opposed to just a general contractor is their desire for something that's unique for their own needs and their family if Mm -hmm. that's their situation their location so it could be all of those could be elements of their decision making process but if their core is not that they really care passionately about the design then I suspect they would just go online and perhaps they, in new construction, be a little bit easier to go online and acquire a set of building plans for a house of all sorts of styles. And then they could go directly to a general contractor. They might have to make some modifications to the drawings to suit codes that are local to the area. But you could go that route, whereas our clients are, whether it's a small project, a large project, uh, renovation or new construction, it's very clear that they're really driven by the passion for good design and they want to work with someone who will partner and collaborate with them to achieve that design and then work that into the building construction. So now I make the decision, and I, I'm, I'm, I wanna, there's two things I want to go after here. Is one, what happens after I make the decision to go with an architect? But I would imagine before we answer that, there are a lot of risks. I'm taking if I go and download plans off the internet that aren't clear to me. I mean, because if, if you were to say all things being equal, yeah, I'll go buy the plans on, I don't know how much they cost to download. I have no idea. You know, right, whatever. it could, yes. You know, so I buy these plans for whatever amount, but I don't know what I don't know. Right. Now, if I alternatively go to an architect, general contract is a little different because, you know, they're, they don't have the best reputation in the world. They're not somebody that's necessarily working on your behalf. They're working to get the the thing built as quickly as possible and as cheaply as possible so they can get on to the next project. I'm sure there's some that aren't as maybe crass as that, but there's a difference of interest there. 
uh, maybe maybe I'm being maybe I'm being unfair. Well, they're they're certainly unfortunately we we partner with a lot of very good quality okay. general contractors, whether they are small firm or large, and yes, they certainly at the end of the day they obviously like any of us they want to be able to put some money in their pocket, right. but they're also rather passionate about the residential design okay. arena, if you will. So we have great people we can collaborate with our clients. Right, but that's after I've made the decision to go with an architect. Generally speaking, there's a rare occasion where a client may come to us and they've already selected a general contractor, but that's probably less than 10% okay. of our clients. Might might even be less than 5% of our clients. So usually we're also part of our process is to help them kind of get them set up to collaborate with a particular general contractor. But back to your, let's see, your other question. Well, actually, before we go there, let, okay. me, let me get a little deeper on this, because I guess what I'm trying to, to pull out here, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that you're really working solely to the benefit of the customer. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's what we should be doing. And so that's a unique role in this sort of ecosystem, because if I go and download the plans, I don't know what I don't know. That's right. The minute I involve you, you expose me to everything I don't know, if I need to. You know, yes. But you get me through the zoning board and all the different things and help assist with all that and bring in the right experts. We've been talking with Ben Nutter of Benjamin Nutter Architects in Topsfield. Hope you've enjoyed the time. Hope everybody's enjoyed listening. Thank you very much, Paul. Right. I've enjoyed doing this. Thank you, Ben. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.